Hey, Pasa Mufasa. Welcome to the Micopreneur Podcast. Today on the pod, we've got Olga Zogas, creator and operator of the community known worldwide as Smugtown Mushrooms. Olga is a well-known and beloved figure in the worlds of mycology, allyship, and environmental activism, an intersection which she strongly believes warrants more attention and recognition from the scientific community. I, I want more uproar and I want our like scientific communities to start being louder. Today we're going to talk about strategies for allyship and how individuals and communities can leverage the power of fungi to dismantle systems of oppression. We're also going to talk about the historical use of mushrooms in Olga's ancestral homeland of Greece. We're talking indigenous land autonomy. And we're also talking about the decriminalization of psychedelic mushrooms and what that means in the context of continued prosecution and incarceration of marginalized communities for drug possession. It's an honor to host Olga today, and it's an honor to have you listening into the discourse. So let's get down to business. Okay, Pasa Mufasa, Olga Zolgas from Smugtown Mushrooms. Welcome to the Mycopreneur podcast, Olga. Thank you so much, Dennis. Thanks for having me. I understand you're out on the East Coast in New York, and I was looking for Smugtown on the map, and I don't know that there's a place called Smugtown. Can you just give us a little primer on what the origin story is for the name of Smugtown Mushrooms? Sure, sure. Yeah, so uh, mid-century, there was a book written about Rochester, New York. That's the town. Uh, that I'm from and where we grow our mushrooms and have our little community here. Um, and it was a book called Smugtown USA, and it was a bit of a nickname, and no one really kind of used it for a while. And now it's kind of like uh, there's other smug towns popping up from like the general Rochester area. So it's kind of like some reclamation, if you will. Um, but, you know, I think when I first started Smugtown Mushrooms, I really thought that, oh, we're going to be like super hyper localized and focused. And it just actually became something more beyond just like the, you know, the borders of our city. And we became connected to the larger mycelial network throughout the world, throughout the world. That seems to be one of the beautiful things about this mycelium network is just as you're focusing on your work locally and regionally, it naturally starts to coalesce into what other people are doing. And you start to notice there's all these pockets all over the world of people who are doing this work and who have been doing it for years. And um, therefore, I was going to ask you, what does the day-to-day -day hustle at Smugtown look like? I know you've got different education and outreach events. You've got foraging where you're selling wild forage mushrooms. You've got your mushroom farms. What does it look like in 2021 to own a small, uh, increasingly large mushroom business? Yeah, I mean, I'm really small in the reality of it. I do own some rather large equipment. I do have a 18 foot autoclave that you would think would be this giant production facility, um, you know, cranking out thousands of pounds a day and stuff like that. But we kind of keep it pretty small and uh, I only have a few people helping me here and there. But the day to day hustle is just like, you know, making 
um, grow bags and grow containers as we are like, you know, for stuff that we're fruiting in house, we use um, fish buckets, which is a byproduct of the restaurant industry. Um, and they're reusable and they're autoclavable. Um, it's that PPE, I think, or whatever on the bottom of the plastic. So th that's all autoclavable. Um, yeah, we're growing mushrooms, fresh mushrooms for market and restaurants and um, growing some medicinals, lots of reishi, a um, bit of turkey tail. We're trying to amp up the turkey tail production and uh, started growing some cordyceps over the winter and uh, kind of closed up the cordyceps production for the season because, you know, it's a little bit too hot. But, um, yeah, just doing a lot, you know, just answering all the emails, all the calls, doing all the design work. Uh, I'm the web designer, too. I, I mean, yeah, it's it's every day, all day. And I live it. This is my life. Um, and yeah, outside of like the farming and like the, the business and the production is, yeah, we do host events and classes and workshops and stuff. And, um, you know, back pre-Rona, um, when life just, we took for granted so much, I think. And, um, yeah, we love you know, getting people together and I love assembling large or doesn't have to be large, but, uh, gatherings of folks, multi-day curating classes with different teachers and content and kind of going outside of like the basic mushroom mycology scenario of like the, you know, if you are going to a mushroom festival or if you are going to like a mycology event, it's pretty, you know, there's a formula that's been used for decades that is there and present and that's great. And I had always gone to these things and always wanted more and more content, more, more everything, better food. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, I will say that a lot of, um, mushroom clubs do throw down really good food but i've been to like some mushroom things and it's like why is this catered by subway i don't understand it's like <laughs> it's just not okay you know so um we were like yeah let's like just do this better and with uh a lot more in mind and a lot more in discussion and that and then you know we attempted to kind of find that within the radical mycology community and that also did not really deliver as well for many reasons um so once again we shifted and wanted to create uh, another branch of community that really brought forth like the discussions of like you know what the fuck is going on out there which is basically like severe injustice on many forms with within the environment within our health care within our within every system whatever we want to say there's just like extreme inequality and extreme injustice and that is connected to the forest that's everything is connected you know and our food our water you know the ecosystems we're all we're all connected and mushrooms 
as we know, this is this common theme. Then when people take mushrooms or, you know, start learning about mushrooms, they learn about this connectivity. And uh, with this kind of notion in mind, it's like we need to step it up. We need to step up the conversation. We need to step up the invitations um, of bringing voices that haven't been heard um, primarily in in my, within my ecology for many reasons, because of racism, because of, you know, inequality to access to science, but also because of, tr you know, science does kind of push aside traditional values and traditional um, customs and things like that. And they kind of, so anyway, anyway, um, what we tried to create was the New Moon Mycology Summit, which is a multi-day event with, so many things fungi so many things plants but also you know discussing topics like you know environmental racism and uh stolen land and colonialism and queer mycology um just a multitude of things i can't think on the top of my head of like exactly how many classes different awesome amazing rad classes that we have had from multitudes of teachers that have come from all over the world to share what they do and i just can't wait to do that again we are gearing up to do um, another new moon mycology summit for 2022 um, sadly, not this year. We just, you know, it takes about a year to organize it. And we just didn't know a few months ago if it was going to be happening, like what life was going to be like, you know, now. Um, so we just kind of said, we're not going to stress. We're, you know, we're just going to keep it underground a bit. And then we'll just kind of have a really, really nice event for 2022. Super awesome. And I, I think in the meantime, maybe you'll be at MycoFest. I believe I saw something about that. And I'm, yes. I'm a huge fan yes. of William Padilla Brown, as many of us mm -hmm. in the community are. I think a lot of what you just touched on uh, talks about right intersectional mycology. And I think with mushrooms, it's this amazing intersection where you really can start to unpack a lot of these important issues that you just brought up related to colonization, resource extraction, oppressive systems, etc., which perhaps is all rooted in the extraction mindset and wanting to view the earth as something that we need to take things out of it and we need to, you know, create hierarchical systems of value and, and whatnot. So I, I, the name of the podcast is Mycopreneur. It's kind of a misnomer. It's not really bottom line focus. It's not, you know, there's a lot of this shroom boom and gold rush and people looking at that. And I, I have a lot of anarchistic tendencies myself. And as I mentioned earlier in the lead up to this, I live in Zapatista country and surrounding the town I live in are these communities where they have hand-painted signs outside that say no corporations, no police, no government officials are allowed in these towns without our permission. So there is a legacy you know, um, in the Zapatista movement and in solidarity with lots of resistance movements worldwide. I have a huge soft spot in my heart for autonomy and for resistance movements and whatnot. So in my research and reading about Smugtown Mushroom's work, we had Doug Bierend on the show and I've read um, In Search of Mycotopia and a couple of his articles. There's this idea maybe that Smugtown Mushrooms is anarcho-mycologist. Would you say that that is a, a term that maybe accurately describes what you do and, and how would you define anarcho mycology? I mean, labels are intense sometimes, you know, um, and we are more than just words of singularity. Um, I do tend to agree with a lot of uh, 
anarcho-theory, you know, what it really stands for and what it is, you know, autonomy, community control, um, it doesn't mean, you know, when people hear the word anarchy, they think chaos, and and it's not in many ways. It, it's, it's resistance, it, it's having control and say over your own life and your own communities and your your customs and your traditions and you know tragically that can backfire and there's there's things that uh, get co-opted in many ways that tend to you know there's things that are I mean there's people that that are like I'm an anarcho-capitalist you know and that that's that's a real thing that people defend and stuff like that and those two things can't coexist in my in my mind um because capitalism is perpetual slavery, basically. Um, and yeah, I, I think that I would call myself a radical mycologist more than an you know, anarcho mycologist, but you know, I, I, it could be all one and the same. It's, it's whatever you can call me, it's just a you know, mycologist or amateur mycologist too, it's all good. Um, I think that I want more like mycologists and biologists and ecologists and fisher people and all the, the folks learning and loving and earth tenders and folks to really, you know, check the systems that we're in. You know, I think that's really what's up is that we have this multitude and gorgeous spectrum of a lot of people who like really care about the earth, you know, and are getting into this back to the land and stuff like that. And there's just still this historical like omission of like the reality and like the real history of like this land and this country and this continent and how a lot of us like got here and how everything is still kind of perpetuated in its own like weird psychotic way whether it's like from 200 years ago to like now or 400 years ago to now you know and I think it's important I think it's important because you know in these institutions um those systems still are there you know in mycology and I've been in spaces where you know, within clubs and things like that, like throughout the country that, you know, they won't do the talk with the local people that are like fighting the pipeline because, or they'll do it like basically after the event, you know, they'll, they'll like, oh, it'll just be after the event, you know, we'll just have it like optional or something, you know, because they don't want to like push people's buttons and stuff. And it's like, you know, it's this thing is like, you know, they got us fighting each other, you know, instead of like the, the real, uh, the real enemy, which is the, the institutions and massive complexes that are threatening our water, are threatening our air and threatening our, our soil, you know, on like the real, you know, and uh, that's, where I'm at it's like for me I really it's all about defending the land you know and helping people defend the land and usually it's people that are indigenous that are on the front lines that are impacted farmers uh low you know income folks that are like always on the front lines of like 
when where this shit is going to be going, whether it's a pipeline or an, a, an extraction compressor station, whatever it might be, you know, it's, it's it's not the Hollywood Hills, you know what I mean? Like it's it's not like the east side of town or like or whatever, you know. It's like it just it's a it's different. It's redlining or whatever, and it's all connected. It's all connected. So I don't even you know. Mycology is connected to that. Right now, people are fighting a pipeline in Minnesota, the Line 3, and that, you know, that ecosystem up there is precious. It's also indigenous land. It's also sacred land. Wild rice is growing. And, you know, I just, I, I want more uproar. and <laughs> I want our, like, scientific communities to start being louder about like that type of stuff you know I think it's really important I know a lot of people are but it's like not enough you know and it's like is it going to take till you know dogs are attacking uh the protesters and we finally catch it on film because that's what it took for Dapple for the Dakota Access Pipeline right like we finally there was footage we saw dogs attacking you know indigenous women and protesters and like you know it became this movement water is life and and then it just kind of i mean i'm not gonna say physical but it's like it's the, the force they're trying so hard and there's they're trying to cut the last uh old growth in british columbia the fairy creek blockade as well folks should be like focusing on that there i mean there's just so many land struggles you know and these are ecosystems that have precious life all the mushrooms all the birds all all the animals it's all connected and tragically i do feel like yeah it's you know mycology can just be this like scientific very basic thing and then it becomes also this like corporate now giant multi-billion dollar industry and you know there's pockets of radicalism and there's pockets of folks like you know bridging some stuff and like you know but even maps you know even maps like ma maps is problematic you know a lot of people are like into them but they're problematic they're they're super involved with the state of israel and i mean where did we start with that you know like that's just like a, a super no-no and there's folks asking for a boycott you know and divestment and sanctions because of their human rights abuses and we've been seeing that over and over and over again and even that just this year and right now villages are being destroyed th this morning and you know they're funding a ton of psychedelic research and yeah these need to be discussions because it's not just like yeah i don't know i'm trying for it to be there's beauty there's amazingness there's so much amazingness but there's i think with the awakening within mycology and folks connected to the mushrooms it's like we need to like bring it all together so because none of us are free till all of us are free and that's a fact period and the power dynamics in play right now uh, in the world at large obviously 
are surfacing or deeply rooted within what's happening in mycology and everything being yeah. interconnected and intersectional and whatnot. And even with, you know, a number of years of research and involvement in this space or my interest in mushrooms and also my interest in geopolitics, I have a very healthy interest in geopolitics. I had no idea that maps has a connection to Israel. So it just, for me, yeah. it highlights the importance of continuing to have these kinds of conversations and intersections because, yeah, let people draw their own conclusions, but at least let them be informed and let them be aware of what's happening and what they're choosing to support. And I think that's one of the reasons I'm invested in doing this podcast and this outreach and building bridges is trying to kind of be transparent and trying to understand what's going on because there's a lot of opaqueness. And, you know, there's there's tons of people from mainstream USA and from corporate backgrounds and from academia, et cetera, that are starting to show a healthy interest in mushrooms for a number of reasons, uh, the least of which, or not the least of which, is this this massive commercialization and this rapid amount of innovation that's happening. And I just feel like it's important that we have these conversations. Um, something you just touched on resonated with me, being a member of a couple different mycological societies and more formal, more like old guard institutions, where there does seem to be sort of a disconnect between traditional members who have a more scientific or Western scientific background and approach to things, and these newer people who are coming into the conversation who maybe are more interested in radical mycology and in environmental justice. And it creates some dissonance within the communities. And I've heard this, you know, from first sound accounts from people in different cities in the U.S. and in different countries of like people basically fighting each other within these communities. So I wanted to kind of build off of that and maybe revisit the first question that I had asked you in the lead up to this interview. Um, and I, I think you've already touched on a few of the things right now. Uh, you've touched on a few of the things in some of your responses so far, but how can individuals and communities leverage fungi? And, and let's say you have a healthy interest in mushrooms. You're starting to grow your own mushrooms. You're starting to meet other people. You're starting to go to mycological society communities. Maybe you go to one of these festivals that subway caters or whatnot. H how can you yeah. kind of marshal or galvanize that interest into recognizing, yo, this isn't just like me going to start microdosing and, you know, writing better code on the computer and making more money. How do you kind of marshal that change effectively? Or if you're in a position, maybe of relative leadership where people are asking you about mushrooms, how do you start to really bake that into your philosophy from the get-go of being radically environmental and radically social justice and, and radically aware of what's going on? Well, I mean... It's it's up to the individual, you know, but I think it's tapping in, it's putting out a free food stand in your neighborhood, it's connecting to local Food Not Bombs chapters, It's which is an international organization that gives out free food to people, and sometimes they get together and cook, you know, and it's researching the, maybe you're like, hey, I... I donate to, you know, Sierra Club. I'm, I'm doing good, you know. It's actually research, like, where their money goes because they actually give a ton of money to timber contracts. They, they kind of make deals with these, like, big... Uh, or, or um, big logging companies to be like, look, at we like we didn't cut the whole forest, so we're sustainable. You know, there's there's a lot of these like giant. Okay, because okay, let's be real. There is that now the nonprofit industrial complex, right? A lot of these backdoor deals and things like that, and 
I think it's becoming more literate on where you think your money is going. You know, follow the money. Divest from your bank that is funding pipelines. Um, it's maybe ans you know asking the questions during the clubs like what land are we on or do you know what you know indigenous land we're on or stuff like that i mean i don't it's it's different things like whatever you want but there's like tons of beautiful resources and the internet is a tool that can be used to educate for sure it's definitely um you know there's a lot of <laughs> tragic misinformation out there and a lot of garbage but um it is a good place and i think just like grow grow stuff you know uh turn your lawn into food and medicine make it a pollination station grow as much as you can with everything save your seed and yeah just like stay connected and just keep reading and keep listening keep listening you know you, you, it's not at a store you know it's definitely not green capitalism and stuff like that it's not the, the stuff in the packaging and it's not the corporation narrative in many ways like they want to you know tell you that you can buy it in the bottle and everything is going to be better and you know and I'm a, I'm a sucker for that stuff too I love some of these drinks that are coming out like I love it you know for sure but it's keep it simple you know there's there's a lot out there and there's a lot of information just like keep it simple like stay grounded touch water put your feet on the ground um watch bees watch you know just sit and watch um the flowers take some time um stay connected and ask a lot of questions and follow the money and yeah well thank you for answering some of these questions i realize i'm not toss tossing you too many softballs here we're talking kind of like macro yeah, perspective cool. but I i'm ready to scale it down and bring it back to the micro personal smugtown mushrooms again yeah. thank you for bearing with the kind of hard line of questions and and i just wanted to touch on a point you just made yeah there is a lot of greenwashing going on right now at the corporate level and i think a lot of people are aware of this but the co-opting of pride of uh kind of egregious examples of like a rainbow Johnny Walker in the in the grocery store, you know? So, and that's something, unfortunately, I think that we're gonna see a lot of as the psychedelic movement picks up momentum, um, this idea of people wanna buy health. They wanna, they wanna, you know, and people wanna sell you health. They wanna say, hey, you, you take yeah. this and just subscribe to this subscription and you're gonna be healthy and everything's gonna be okay. And there's this sense of like, uh, the, the way the world is set up right now and a lot of consumer capitalist values stripping people's confidence away from them and then selling it back to them. And that that to me seems like a really slippery slope and has been a slippery slope. But bring it back down to the individual level, to the Olga level, I'd be very curious to know what your daily mushroom supplement looks like. I know that you grow a lot of reishi and you've got just like a green thumb. What, what does that look like for you? Are you uh, using different mushroom supplements on a daily basis? Basis? And if so, what are they and what combination and what's that look like? You know, I I do and I don't like sometimes I just like take breaks and I'll be like, you know, I haven't like taken a tincture in a minute, <laughs> you know, so um, but right now in front of me, I have some blessed thistle, um, 
just like for overall like liver love uh i love me some turkey tail i love me some um something i actually don't grow but i'd love to start growing is the violet tooth polypore which is trichaptum biforme also it could be trichaptum uh, abiatum which would grow on like a fur um, that's a very nice, gentle medicinal mushroom. I would say like very close to turkey tail, maybe not as like strong, but that's a friend of mine that I hang out with a lot. Um, I take reishi very infrequently, actually. <laughs> um, to be honest, I have an allergic reaction to it in tea form, um, after probably going overboard with it for many years um, but in tincture I can take it and it's no problem but in tea form I ha get a fever and it's not like you know not great but I do tincture um, so you know it's listening to your body see what works you know stuff like that there's no cure-all let's be real this is not FDA approved <laughs> um, but I yeah I love me some yeah lion's mane as well and uh, we've, yeah, like I said, we started growing some cordyceps and been taking some cordyceps oxymel, um, which I make in, an oxymel is a vinegar and honey extraction of a plant or, you know, whatever it might be or a mushroom. Um, but we put like a very, very small percentage of a hyper concentrated cold water extraction into the, our oxymel as well to just kind of give it a triple extract threat, if you will. So I've been rocking a bit of that. Um, love me lemon. If you know me, I'm like always drinking like hot water with lemon um, or putting lemon on like all my mushrooms, like cooking my mushrooms, squeezing lemon on it. Love oregano. I'm Greek, first generation here. Um, and we put oregano and lemon on everything, you know, Greek cooking and stuff like that. But um yeah just trying to i love connecting the mushrooms with the lemon because in greece where my family's from and they're just grilling all the mushrooms on coals siskaras and they're squeezing lemon on it and it's just literally the best way to cook a mushroom in my opinion but i am biased for sure and that's actually something i was hoping to talk about maybe that was a perfect lead-in but it's about mushrooms in greece and in greek culture because yes. there's this like fine line in europe and in the u.s where different places are mycophobic or mycophilic and i, yeah. I actually had a chance to visit visit greece back in 2016 only for one day because we were in turkey and there's an island you can take a ferry to and i drank entirely too much of that really powerful liquor that tastes like any like licorice and um had a great time there but it was the most beautiful nice. what was the name of that liquor do you remember uzo, uzo. yes oh my lord but a, a beautiful mm -hmm. beautiful afternoon so can you tell us a little bit about mushrooms and greek culture and if it's a popular thing you mentioned you eat it but uh what's that look like yeah, I mean, since antiquity, for sure, Greeks and, you know, whoever whoever we were calling ourselves in that geo geographical area, because Greece is kind of a, or, you know, a newer name for the, the Hellenic area, um, old geographical area, a lot of people have been stomping around there, but yeah, people have been 
loving mushrooms and not just for food, but there's, you know, uh, association with uh, sacred use of claviceps purpurera, which is essentially the, um, it's a, it's a fungus that invades the barley grain or the wheat grain or some type of grain. And that's where we have our modern day LSD from. Um, and that was something that long ago for many years, for over 2000 years, there was ceremonies done with two families that orchestrated this in Southern Greece that had these rites, the Lusian mysteries that are, that's what they're called today. Um, so there's been connection even to some sacred, um, I wouldn't say mushroom, but, you know, per se, cap and stem mushroom, but, uh, you know, some type of psychedelic entheogen as well. And uh, in modern times, Greeks are blessed to have a very uh, wide range of ecosystems and terrains there, um, you know, from the coast and the islands as we, you know, as it's mostly looked at in Greece, but it is part of the Balkan Peninsula. There's mountains and the interior of Greece is loaded with a diversity of deciduous hardwoods and conifers and, you know, chestnut trees and oak trees and Hermes oak and um, beach and so we have beautiful mycorrhizal fungi there pop up like you know lots of lactarius species the boletus species uh, you know porcinis or volites they really you know what's great about uh, you know having mushroom you know vibes in Greece is that like you know if you know the Latin names you kind of know the like the Greek names because they're really just the same thing they're just like you know for Reishi, they call it Ganoderma, which is basically Ganoderma, you know, just with a Greek accent, <laughs> you know, so that's, that's easy, but um, yeah, people are, you know, they're still connected to traditional way of life, right? There's people still in the villages, not as many, but there's still people in the villages still connected to traditional way of life. It's not some type of fad because the New York Times told them to go pick ramps in the hills, okay? They've been just doing this with their grandparents and their grandparents and their grandparents and it's for food and sustenance and yeah, lots of bolides, porcinis, there's truffles there, gorgeous piopino, wild piopino mushrooms, oysters, I mean, the list goes on. And of course, like the best goat cheese and olive oil and and wine and yeah, meats and amazingness. Man, I, I'm ready to pack up my bags and head for the hills. That yeah. sounds amazing. And uh, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna go next year. We're gonna be doing some trips there. Awesome. And hopefully with uh, some special guests next June. Oh, I'm gonna keep a keen eye on that. If that's an open invite, if you're doing a group trip, that sounds amazing. Yeah, and be beyond absolutely. that, um, I think what you just touched on, too, is one of the reasons why that area of the world has such great longevity. I think the islands of Greece and areas yeah. of Greece are purported to have some of the longest, longest living and the happiest, most fulfilled people. And as the world moves increasingly in another direction, I think there's plenty of folks out there who would love to connect with a vision like that and just simplify. And yeah. that's really beautiful that that still exists. My grandfather, my papa was about to turn 97. And if you saw him, you'd be like, that guy's not 97. You know, he's just, he looks great. And, you know, mashallah, I hope, he, you know, he makes it to 100. And, um, yeah, excited. And we're actually from northern Greece, 
from the Albanian border um, area, and that area is just super rico with mushrooms and stuff. That you know, it's you know, spring-fed streams and things like that. So it's it's a different vibe than the islands and the um, the cuisine and stuff like that, but. We still, you know, we're still like two and a half hours from the shore, so it's all good. That sounds absolutely divine. I hopefully, you know, nobody can really predict what the next six months look like, but uh, we'll be in Italy for my wife's birthday in November, so I'm, it's not too far away. Might be able to pop over if we have hop on a boat. Hop on a boat and pop over. That all just sounds absolutely divine. What you just just described, and we'll totally be looking out for any future trips if you're going to organize something. Um, I'm doing the Telluride Mushroom Festival this year. That's my big trip for this year. And just always excited to connect with other mycophiles and to travel when the opportunity presents itself and when I'm fortunate enough to. So I, I was thinking the last thing maybe we could touch on today is another conversation that is gaining a lot of momentum and that has a lot of different perspectives. And I'd just love to hear if you have any perspectives related to the decriminalization movement of psilocybin in particular, but entheogens and plant medicine, this is something that's actively gaining momentum in California. You know, there's going to be a Senate vote on it. And of course, in Oregon is one of the pioneers. There's different counties, as I'm sure you're familiar, like within Denver and Oakland, etc. And now as all these larger, more behemoth corporations and, you know, small time vendors and everyone in between are kind of elbowing for position for this impending legalization or decriminalization of psychedelics. There's just a lot of different uh, people with skin in the game, a lot of different stakeholders. Of course, in Jamaica, there's a fully legal psilocybin industry, and there's a couple of relatively unscrupulous purveyors who are moving into that, trying to package things and sell things locally that are coming from overseas. So I'd just love to get some of your thoughts about the decriminalization movement. Is that something that you support or that you see value in or would love to hear your thoughts on that? I mean, I think in general it all should be legal no matter what it is. The whole spectrum of drug, quote-unquote drug, um, because I just don't think that the institutions that are enforcing the laws have any real... um, Uh, ability, you know, I do feel like we need to abolish a lot of the laws, um, abolish the institutions for abolition more than decriminalization. Um, And I think that, you know, if there's going to be this whole gold rush, you know, I think that it's just it's once again irresponsible of like the people in power you know like of course like i roll um that it's like to the highest bidder instead of like right away it's like i think the first thing too it's like oh we're gonna decrim it's like cool can everyone get out of jail like right now that's like been arrested for this shit right amen here here you know like so that could be a thing that could happen before, like, they start giving these, like, so-called contracts to people to allow them to capitalize off sacred medicine in many ways. And I think that they're going to do it anyway, but I think it's, like, cool, let's, like, actually put the power in the hands instead of the people who 
are the stewards of this medicine, give them the opportunity first to be the guardians and the caretakers and give them money <laughs> to do it, you know, give like if we're going to make it be so-called ethical capitalism let's like maybe try to you know give that land back give the resources back like give folks the ability to do that you know and it's a multitude of uh, different folks connected to a lot of these so-called drugs in the eyes of the state um and it's just like once again like you know Nixon, you know, the Nixon era, the drug war, all that type of shit, folks were forced to, like, they, to hide a lot of their traditions, you know, within peyote and mushrooms because it was illegal to, like, 78 or 79 for indigenous people in America to practice their, like, quote, religion in a so-called freedom of religion country you know um i think that's something to be said on like why another reason why like land back and giving the opportunity for our indigenous relatives to be the first on the scene to if there's going to be an industry they should be the ones to you know the first ones in line <laughs> you know or or given the opportunities to or hand it off or whatever it might be um but I also don't know for sure you know I haven't asked every single person you know in this broad spectrum uh community that we have but I I feel like that could be a better approach instead of being like who's the highest bidder because we saw that with cannabis and even today even in so-called places where things are decriminalizing oh you don't get caught like smoking weed or whatever we're still seeing black and brown people being pulled over and harassed because they're smoking weed and being killed because of that you know and yeah we just need complete abolition of the systems in place because they're not working and so something needs to be better and i do feel like uh, probably not asking the same folks who gave us the systems in place would probably be my, you know, my guess would find a better approach. But, um, you know, I, I think if we're going to like buy weed and these things like that, like let's start by buying it from black and brown communities you know and give you know reparations in some way for the harm that's been done and be okay about that and it's like i think too you know people might hear this who are white you know i'm i identify as white you know i i'm an, you know a, a daughter of an immigrant that has browner skin than me but they passed as white as well but they have an accent and they you know they were have been treated differently but they they had a privilege you know and made it a little bit easier in this country and you know white supremacy is real and it's it's hard to escape it's everywhere it's and we shouldn't feel defensive when we have these conversations as white people we need to like stay calm and not feel like 
everything is our fault. Like, because it, as an individual, it's not. It's the same, like, vibe of, like, the straws, you know, the straw notion. Like, oh, my God, like, you're using a straw, you're destroying the environment. And, oh, my God, I'm white, I'm the worst. Or It's like, it's the system. We were born into this shit. We should actually be... F- going after the 70 companies that are destroying the, the environment single-handedly and not worry about our purse okay yes let's worry about our personal environmental you know impact for sure but it's the system that's fucking everything and it's not us as like me an individual white person i'm the worst and i've been awful but it's like the system in place is been awful to everyone else that doesn't look like me and I benefit from it and it's it could be light you know light privilege to like hard privilege you know like there is inequality you know and there's a spectrum and even within white people for sure poverty is real and they want us fighting each other and it's really there's a bigger there's a bigger fish that is chasing us all you know and we need to organize and stand with each other and not feel like these conversations are you know uh, a reason to be defensive a reason to like deny the harm that has been caused and deny some someone's you know because it's always you know it's denying a whole group of people's experience a whole you know a whole narrative of of legacy that's been here for a really long time for hundreds of years and that's harm you know so little bits of harm reduction and not becoming defensive and you know, letting us hear hear the calling of the truth that we have work to do, you know, and it starts from us and it's a collective movement and force and we need to myceliate the state. We need to work together. We need to defend life, the, you know, the living. We need to fight like hell for the living, for the last tree standing, for the last water that is running you know wilds we have you know there's giant damming projects all over the world that they're you know that are happening that you know we need everything to remain wild as much as possible and protect the folks that are living amongst the wilds as well it's not just about the land it's about the people as well and you know mycology is connected to that because there will not be forests and deep forest habitat with our beautiful fungi that we love to collect and document and photograph and eat and use for dyes and textiles and medicine and all the things, you know, if they put a parking lot there or if they bulldoze it for pipelines or a damming project or just because they thought it was a good idea too who knows so many reasons so many excuses so um thank you so much for having me thank you so much for closing the loop right there i think that was a beautiful way 
to finish off and ride off into the sunset. And I think you just named the episode Myceliate the State. That's a fantastic little turnkey phrase to have in one's pocket. And I just want to thank you for all of the extraordinary work that you've been doing with Smugtown Mushrooms and for the inspiration and the opportunity to have these dialogues and to really kind of further them and further these narratives and as more people start showing awareness and start showing interest and uh, mushrooms and in psychedelic healing and in the whole spectrum that that encompasses to really go in with these considerations and asking these questions as they start to pick up this thread and start to move forward with this. So thank you again, Olga. I really appreciate it. There's so much to cover in the mushroom universe and so many mycopreneurs leveraging the infinite potential of fungi to create a more ecologically balanced, inclusive, and equitable world for all of us mischievous little monkeys. I am completely stoked that you've chosen to spend some of your hard-earned time in our little corner of the mycoverse. Hop on the gram, say what's up. At Mycopreneur Podcast, that's the handle. Don't get it twisted. We've got the full suite of social media up and running. Twitter, Mycopreneur. Got the YouTubes dialed in, Mycopreneur. Drop us a line. Tell your grandma and your kooky uncle. Tell your wife and your kids. If you're a Mycopreneur yourself, you want to hop on the pod, by all means, willkommen, bienvenidos, welcome. Don't be a stranger. Let us know your thoughts on this episode, and also let us know what you want to hear in future episodes. This is a team effort. Thanks for stopping by the Mycopreneur Podcast. Have a lovely day. We'll see you back here next week.